It's time to get all set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. When I hear the coffee brewing, I think, what the heck we doing? Because I got barely any sleep last night. As the diaper bag I pack with hot wheels, dollies, and some snacks, I say, oh, pray there'll be a seat in the cry room this time. It's all right, because I'm all set for Sunday. It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for It's all right, cause I'm all set for Sunday Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Scott. I like your shirt today. Hey, thank you. It's uh, You look handsome. Verso Alto, written on the sleeve, like... It's great. And a little bit of a, uh, a curveball today. My my wife, Elizabeth Williams, is is here. She just wanted to come and watch, but she the only way to watch is to also have a microphone and a headset. So, hi, love. Hi. <laughs> our, first, our first female podcast guest. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. Thanks for joining us and uh, helping, you know, diversify the church. There we go. And uh, and our guest, Deacon Rick Wagner, is joining us. Say hello, Deacon. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Good. Any major life things happening in your world? Any there's, ch- if yeah. there's any consistent theme we have in our podcast, it's that every time Deacon Rick is on with us, he has a new job. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Deacon I try, Rick. I, yeah, I try to keep everyone guessing where I'm going to appear next. <laughs> I believe the last time we had you on, you were interim president. Yes. Of uh, St. Theodore Guerin High School. Uh, and now, I believe you are president. Uh, that is correct. As of July 1st, I am the, the actual president of Guerin Catholic. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. How's it going? Uh, so far, so good. It was um, because I had served as principal there uh, here in the past, it has uh, made it for an easy trans transition and uh, still a lot of friends and uh people I know up here. So uh, it's been good so far. Now, being a deacon and a president, do people call you Mr. President, Deacon President, Mr. Deacon President? How does that? (laughs) I answer to just about everything. Um, Deacon Rick or just Rick is uh, seems to be the the two most common. Okay. So it's not, it's not quite as formal as the White House. It's no, no. Oh, Presidente. They just, no. (laughs) All right. All right. Jeff, you ready to take us to the two minute drill? I am. 27th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Nothing ordinary about these readings this week. Like, all of a sudden, we've we've been rolling James in the second readings. We've been, like, we've had a pretty consistent theme going, and then all of a sudden, we just kick it back old school. All Old Testament today uh, through up to the gospel reading. So, our, Except for the gospel it, part. Yeah, well, that one's declared. But uh, we go, when I say old school, I mean all the way back to Genesis today. Yeah. First reading comes from Genesis. Uh, God creates Eve. It's awesome. I mean, I can't say much more than that. He does. Uh, he said it's not good for man to be alone. He needs a suitable spouse. Uh, pulls a rib out of Adam, makes a lady. Eve and womankind join the world. It's a I wonderful can, day. I can hear the awkwardness in your voice as you're saying that. Why? I don't know. You just. I think no, it's I because. Mean, I think it's because Elizabeth is staring at you. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah there, here she is, just like <laughs> glaring through my soul. You can't hear it, people. You'll hear the burning. But two became one flesh. 
Uh, two became one flesh in this moment. And I think it's a great way uh, to start off the re- well, to start off creation for uh, womankind to join us. Uh, Responsorial Psalm, Psalm 128, may the Lord bless us all the days of our lives. And what greater blessing than our wives, Scott? Oh, Am I right? Absolutely. Yeah, you have to agree. Um, and then our second reading comes from Hebrews. Um, I was reading the second reading and there's a lot of quotations used in it. Yeah. And I felt like it was being written or said by somebody using air quotes. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, I have, I've always find it really funny when people use air quotes and especially when they just are very aggressive with their air quoting. Um, so I very much heard in this, we, it starts off saying he for a little while, capital he, uh, for a little while was lower than the quote, lower than the angels in air quotes. And I'm not really sure what they're trying to define or say about the little while or lower than the angels. But I think I get the basic idea here that um, it's this, I think I'm seeing this like looking ahead at Mm -hmm. Christ coming to the world and coming down and being with us and serving us. And that uh, he served as our quote brother or made, it was one of our quote brothers. Um, It was a little confusing, but I think it was a nice look ahead at, uh, what we have going on. Hey, how does Moses, uh, drink his beer? <laughs> I don't know. He brews it. Let's <laughs> get it. That's, that's where we're at. No, I get it. Okay. Um, and then our gospel reading this week is Mark 10, two to 16 or two to 12. And as we always know, I'm going to take the easy way out and Deacon Rick will make fun of me for it. So the Pharisee approached Jesus and asked, is it lawful for the husband to divorce his wife? They were testing him. He said to them in reply, what did Moses command you? They replied, Moses permitted a husband to write a bill of divorce and dismiss her. But Jesus told them, because of the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, no human being must separate. In the house of the disciples again, question, in the house, the disciples again questioned Jesus about this. He said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Thanks, Jeff. Hey. De- Deacon Rick, any any fact checking, any uh, corrections to to Jeff's Summary. Well, I, the only the only correction I would uh, make a, to uh, to what Jeff said is when he said the uh, letter to the Hebrews was Old Testament, but that's but that's okay. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's just, just a slight correction. <laughs> but that's and, why, I'm here, folks, I'm just a big dumb animal. <laughs> all right, you did a good job, Jeff. Yes, you did. Um, all right, Deacon Deacon Rick, what are you are you preaching this weekend? I am preaching this weekend. Yes, excellent. What do you got in the the preaching notebook this week? Well, I I, I shared with you before we uh, before we went live. Um, this doesn't happen very often, but I, I read the reading several times, and I really just kept coming back to one uh, to one sentence from Genesis, and that is the very first one. It is it is not good for man to be alone. Hmm. And uh, the reason I think I landed on that is. Uh, whenever I'm preparing to preach, I, I look at a lot of different things, but a couple of the questions I ask is what what is going on in our church and what is going on in our world or in society? And what's going on in our church is, in particular to this week, is that it's respect life 
uh, Sunday, and I wanted to see if I could make some sort of connection to uh, Respect Life Sunday that the uh, and, you know the archdiocese is having a, a special mass on Sunday for that. So I wanted to make a special connect and connection to that. And I think because of the the pandemic and all that has gone on in our world, I think it made it very clear that uh, we struggle as a society when we are isolated, uh, when we're alone. Yep. And so that that first sentence from Genesis just kept jumping out at me that it is not good for man to be alone. So I'll be exploring uh, exploring that. Uh, well, what do we do about it? Well, I think, uh, and I guess the second question that is like. What does that mean for people that are alone? Right. Well, what it means for people that are, well, what it means for everyone mm -hmm. is that we have a special obligation to watch out for one another, yeah. uh, to make sure that uh, we are reaching out to people who are isolated, uh, that we are, uh, uh, that we are recognizing our need and our desire to be communal. And that, you know, it goes back to, you know, Jesus, how many times did Jesus say, that, you know, we want to make sure that we care for the widows and orphans, mm -hmm. you know, the, those those that may have been left behind or those that are on the fringe. It is it is our responsibility, our obligation as as baptized Christians and disciples to to reach out to those uh, to people who uh, who are alone or who are um, isolated for whatever reason. Yeah, I was just telling uh, Elizabeth this the other day that I'm, I'm just I just had this moment of gratitude and prayer that I am so grateful for the opportunity to just have a teammate in life. And when you, when oh, you, thanks God. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh. but like when you, when you, when you get married, you like, automatically get this teammate that you then become jointly responsible for so many things in life. And as a single person, you're constantly trying to figure out how to do everything or find community or fill in so many of those gaps. Uh, and, you know, just the beauty of being able to to have a, a teammate means that on a bad day, you can be like the 10 percenter and, you know, your wife can make up the 90 percent, which is usually what happens or, uh, you know, vice versa. Just being able to help each other through difficult times, which is just the essence of what we're called to do as married people. So I also think it's interesting, Deacon Rick, you, you use two words there, alone and isolated. And I think saying isolated is is the really important piece here that like to be i think it, it's easy to read th that reading or read these readings and think that alone means I, I know so many people who struggle when they're single with trying to they you know this they feel a call to a vocation of marriage and they can't find a spouse and so they feel almost uh punished because they're alone like they're being punished or like they're being looked down upon or like they're doing something wrong because they're alone. But there are a lot of people who find incredibly fulfilling lives, not in marriage, not in uh, that way, because they don't isolate themselves. They build a community in another way, whether that's religious community or religious life or through friends and family and things like that, that mm -hmm. like alone does not necessarily mean you can only find happiness if you have a spouse or if you're with somebody but that isolation, I think it, it really, really sticks to or talks to the point that you're mentioning of like really trying to find those people who are not just by themselves, but isolated from society, separated from it, like widows and orphans and in those situations. Right. Well, I would also uh, on the on the flip side of that, I would also say that there are uh, 
There can be a person who is uh, surrounded by many other people and still feel alone, mm. right? For, whether that's because of uh, mental illness, some sort of baggage they're dragging around with them, uh, just uh, wh- whatever is going on internally that makes them feel not a part of the community. So they can, you can be alone in a crowd. Uh, and then you add on to that uh, something like the pandemic that actually takes people and isolates them, t- tells them they have to be, uh, have to be separated. So I think, I think both cause, uh, cause problems and can lead to a, a disconnect with, uh, with faith. You know, one of the things that I think happened with the pandemic and, and the fact that the church was shut down for a period of time is that there, I think there's a certain, I hope just a small percentage, but I, I think there's a certain percentage of people that said, you know, I've, I've been fine without church, right? Mm-hmm. I've, I've, my, my faith life is fine. I'm, so I, I don't know if I'm going to go back or not. And they, they get this feeling that, well, I can just have a, you know, one-on-one relationship uh, with God on my own. So I don't need church, but that's, you know, we are called to community, right? We are called to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And our obligation is not only to, to share in community, but to contribute to community. So to, to say, I'm going to go off and be uh, my own person, I'm going to have my own separate private faith, uh, does not, isn't, isn't following what, what Jesus asked of us. He, he asked us to be a part of a, of a community. And you think, well, I don't need it. But okay, let's let's just say that's that's that may be true, but perhaps they need you, right? So it's not always about what you're going to get out of something, but what you're going to contribute uh, to the community overall. So this whole idea of communal worship um, is is really uh, important to our uh, to our faith lives, and and to yeah. to feel like we can pull it off on our own is is uh, is misguided. Yeah. I heard somebody once say that you can have, you can have a a personal prayer life, but you can't have a private one. Um, which I I thought was, was really interesting because like all of what we're called to do in prayer and all we're called to do in, in, as a, as a church is to be in, in community and to, uh, you know, serve one another in that capacity. So I don't know. I actually, I actually use that phrase quite a bit and, and, incorporated into staff retreats and so forth when I talk to uh, leaders uh, in Catholic schools and and I say, you know, we as disciples, as um, uh, people who go off and share the gospel, we are not, we're not allowed to have a private faith life. We certainly have a personal one. Mm-hmm. My, my relationship with Jesus Christ is different than any of yours. Uh, so I get it. It's it's personal. It, it has a special meaning for me. However, that doesn't make it private. Uh, it, it is we are we have an obligation to share the gospel message, not just by how we live our lives, but with our voices. Uh, so I, I think it's important that we not view uh, our relationship with God as private. I think that's. I love that you say that because one of the things being. So on social media, following you on social media and on uh, Facebook and things like that, being friends with you, I, you are a person who very much shares your prayer life and your reflections. And I, I've always greatly appreciated it. I think they that I, I noticed recently you've been doing a lot of focusing in on like very specific phrases, very specific things. I love your reflection on it. You don't complicate it. And I would encourage anybody who's listening to us to go follow you and, and 
uh, and see the things that you're doing. So I appreciate that because you're not just, and I wanted to share that because you're not just saying that to us, like, Hey, you should do this. I know that you very actively in your life, just as a person of God, but also as a deacon in, in your role at school, um, you share that and, and it comes across to people very clearly that, um, your struggles, your falls, your ups, your downs, but also that you want that prayer to be something that's shared with others. So. Well, I appreciate that. And, and I just met with, uh, I just led a retreat for the, uh, the deacons of the diocese of Lafayette. And one of the things I encouraged all of them to do was to uh, in, engage in, in social media. And, and, you know, a lot of them are my age We're you know, we didn't, we didn't grow up with it or anything. And, and I think there's a little bit of hesitancy in jumping in, but, you know, I, I, you know, the reason the reason I do it is because I feel like I have an obligation to evangelize, and that's you have to go to where people are, right? And mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who are on social media, and that provides a platform uh, for for just to to spread the gospel message, not to try to to bring attention to myself. But uh, I'm very selective in the type of things I I I choose to post on social media, and it is. It is always positive, and it is always uh, geared toward building a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, and there's and a few extreme... pictures of grand- and a few pictures of grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an extreme vulnerability in doing that too. I imagine I can't begin to imagine as a deacon just the vulnerability of getting up and preaching, and and having to share those thoughts and the and and know that like people hopefully people are listening and maybe even have some critiques and thoughts, but then to consistently share prayer in a public forum, it is a vulnerable thing and which we should be vulnerable with our prayer. We should open ourselves up. We should invite people to challenge us in that, in, in what we say. But I imagine for many of those deacons, like that's, that's a big step to that too, is knowing, well, if I put this out there, then it's out there. Everybody can see it and everybody knows it. And what if I'm wrong or what if I'm not on the right track or what if somebody doesn't like it like that's tough but, but well and and i think that's why a lot of people fall back on the excuse that my my faith life is private right because mm-hmm. that's that's the that's the safer way to go and i i would even say that the the more vulnerable your witness the more powerful it can be uh so there are many times that i have posted things or written reflections where i show where i screwed up mm. right and that's not you know it's not like hey Hey everybody, look at how dumb I was here. Or look, look what I messed up here. But it, I think it shows a, you know, a vulnerability that makes it more powerful. It's like I, I am, wor- I'm, I'm, I'm carrying baggage too. I'm sinful too. I'm struggling too. But this is how I went about it, and I, I messed up, and this is what I learned from it. I, I sought forgiveness, and now I'm pushing forward. And, and I think those are messages that that people need to hear. Um. Well, speaking of forgiveness, I'm going to ask in advance for forgiveness for the the stupidity of Jeff's coming forthcoming questions here. But Jeff, are you ready to do some dumb questions? That was a great segue, Scott. Thank you. (laughs) It's time for Jeff's dumb questions. The part in the show where the glow of the flame of knowledge grows a little dimmer and our collective IQ goes down a few points, all thanks to Jeff. We're sorry. I am. I'm ready for dumb questions. Uh, I've got all kinds of them here for you because it's interesting, Deacon Rick, before 
before I very far in advance of this podcast, as in like six minutes before we got on prepared and went, went through these readings, I had already jotted down some questions because as I said, I follow you on social media and I saw that you had share you, you just recently celebrated a wedding or not. Yeah. Celebrated a wedding. Um, correct. Witnessed, correct. witnessed celebrated, consecrated, presided over or presided over. Yes. there you go. I never know. Um, I always love, it's like the classic dad joke when I will be talking about a priest who was at our wedding and I'll say, oh, they married us. And they're like, no, you didn't. You married each other. It's like the best Catholic priest dad joke ever. But, um, Well, maybe not the best. <laughs> no, but consistent. Uh, but I was going to ask you a little bit about, you, you wrote in there, we have talked to priests before on the podcast about homilies at weddings and how when you get into the spot where you're doing so many weddings, oftentimes you'll, you'll use a pretty basic, you know, one or two homilies and then just tweak them or whatever. But you were very intentional recently to say that uh, people ask you that and you tell them you don't do that, that you write unique homilies. So I want to hear about that, but also uh, about you throwing all these priests under the bus who say that they just <laughs> well, I certainly them. don't intend to throw them under the bus. <laughs> but, uh, there, it, when I, whenever I'm, and I actually have another, uh, another wedding this Friday and and uh, generally, I, I have two pieces that I always include, right? And they're kind of my bookends. At the beginning of the, of the homily, I like to make sure that everyone who is there, the invited guests, understand what their role is. And I kind of stole that from Father Eric Johnson. He did a similar thing at my daughter's wedding, hmm. uh, where he, he kind of stepped out and, and, and said to all of us, this is why you're here. And I, and I just thought that was really a beautiful thing to hear that we're not just all sitting there waiting and, you know, killing time until the reception, right? You know, that we have a role. And so I, I like that piece. So I always build that in at the beginning. And then at the end, I always, uh, I walk, I leave the ambo and walk over and spend time with the, with the couple and just making sure they have like this last minute, this is your last shot. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to tell you one more time what you're about to do. Um, and so I, I, I make sure that they understand your role will be to get your, your spouse to heaven. Uh, your marriage serves as an epiphany for others. It, it reveals Christ. So those are the kind of the bookends. But everything in the middle then is, is personalized to the couple. And I do that by speaking to the readings they've chosen. But I also ask them uh, a few weeks prior, I, I send them uh, two or three questions to respond to. Uh, one uh, to respond to as a couple, and then the other two to respond to as individuals, and then not to share their answers. And so that the meat of the homily uh, ties the ties the readings with the responses that they have given me to those questions. So you that play the, you play the newlywed game during, during <laughs> right, in a very in a very homiletic way, which I absolutely love. That's very on brand for you to just have a little fun like that and crowd participation, and I love it. <laughs> But it does um, that. That does, even though I have a, a common message in 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 the wedding homilies, it does allow for me to personalize it as well. That's awesome. Uh, next question. Speaking of uh, wedded bliss, how is your lovely wife, Carol? Carol is awesome. Yeah, enjoying the retired life, doing a lot of painting, and spending time with grandkids. That's awesome. And enjoying having you unretired. Uh, yes, very much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I told her when they uh, when they offered me the job, I said, "Well, I'm going to need some time to uh, 
to pray about it and discern. And Carol said, you know, you can pray and discern all you want, but you're taking that job. <laughs> you need you need to get out of this house. <laughs> well, she knows you well. See, yes. look at there was your prayer and discernment. Um, I also uh, know that you have, I, I don't know how you keep up the schedule you do, honestly. Like I, I know how demanding your job is at Garen, but then doing weddings and continuing to preach and, and do your ministry as a deacon. And then your God needs storytellers you've continued with as well, which I think is awesome. I saw that your most recent guest was Miss Lauren LaCoy, yes, uh, yes. listener of the podcast, friend of the program. Uh, how, how did she do? She's been bugging us to get on our podcast and I, I just don't know. Yeah, no, she's, she did great. We had a very nice conversation and she shared a little bit about her uh, faith journey and, and some of the God moments in her life. So yeah, she did great. Now, Lauren's an amazing person. Lauren, if you're listening, if you find a priest and can bring them with you, you're in. BYOP. Let's bring your own priest if you want to be on the podcast. So unless you're Elizabeth Williams and then you're just our wallflower and you get to hang <laughs> out with us. Um, all right. Last thing I wanted to ask about, again, in the world of new things for you, you have a new pastor. How is life with Father Francis Joseph? Yeah, Father Father Francis is doing a great job. He's uh, matter of fact, he just um, not connected to his being a pastor, but just this past week, he uh, uh, he received uh, his papers. He is now a, a, a an official U.S. citizen. Oh, uh, that's so awesome. we so we celebrated that. Uh, but no, Father Francis has uh, integrated himself very well and uh, has put his own stamp on a few things, and has also uh, I think made a special effort to, to get to know the, the community. And uh, yeah, so, so far, so good. That's awesome. That's great to hear. All right. That's all I got on my list. All right. Well, Deacon Rick, thanks so much for, for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Congratulations on the new gig and hope you'll join us again. All right. Very good. Always. We can't, we can't, we can't wait to hear by then what your next job is. <laughs> <laughs> It's alright cause I'm a separate It's alright cause I'm a separate It's alright cause I'm a separate Sunday